The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. We're beginning a brand new series today called You Ask For It. It's a unique series that we do every year in that we allow the, our, our church here to help us uh, and, and ask some questions that we're going to try to answer over the next several weeks. And it's really great for us because it kind of gives us a gauge of some of the things that you guys are wanting to know about. So we'll talk about some during the series, but it's also stuff that we'll talk about throughout the entirety of the year. So uh, for the next four weeks, we're going to talk about thematically some of the most asked questions that came in through our You Asked For Questions. And today, we're going to be answering the number one <laughs> question that came in this year, which if you have your new song notes, you can see it on the top there. Are we living in the last days? We're just going to go ahead and jump on into the deep end, right? Are we living in the last days? Turn to the person beside you and say, last days. Turn to the other person and say, ooh, it's going to be good, right? So if you're new to church or you're new to the things of God, you need to understand something. Jesus is coming back. Amen. Uh, that's not just something that you know we, we talk about and kind of have hope that it happens. It really is something that is going to happen. The Bible is very clear about this. In fact, the 36%, this is pretty amazing. I read this this week. 36% of the Bible talks about end-time prophecy. Isn't that amazing? A third of the Bible speaks to end-times prophecy. Uh, in fact, if you know the Word of God very well, you know that the Bible has a lot to say about the coming of Jesus. And there are two times that Jesus is showing up on this earth. The first we, we know about, it's the Christmas story where Jesus showed up in, 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 in Bethlehem and was born of a virgin and he came as a humble servant and he, wrote, he came and lived his life for, for 33 years, died on the cross, rose from the dead. We know that story, but there's another time that Jesus is going to come. Now what's interesting is the Bible has a lot to say about both of those comings, but the return of Jesus the second time, the Bible speaks about that return eight times more than it does the first Pretty interesting, right? In fact, one of the reasons why the Jews of Jesus' day didn't recognize him as the Savior is because they were looking for him to come the first time like he's going to come the second time. See, the first time he came as a humble servant. The second time he's coming on a white horse with flames in his eyes like it's going to be a different ball game. But I want you to know Jesus is coming back. Turn to the person beside you and say, Jesus is coming back. Acts chapter 1, we have a, 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 some scripture that talks about uh, Jesus, and, and let me set this up for you. He's getting ready to ascend to heaven. This is after he's died on the cross. This is after he's been resurrected. And before he, he, he goes, he gives what is called, what we call the great commission. And you think about that, co-mission. It's a mission that we have to share the gospel, and it's a mission that we're in with God. We're not on our own, and it. it's a co-mission. We're working with God to share this gospel across across the earth. So, so Jesus gives this great commission and then he says this in verse 9. After he said this, talking about the great commission, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him before their sight. And they, they were looking intently up in the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside him. These were angels. Verse 11. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? I can tell you why. Because Jesus just floated up into the sky. Like, that would be pretty cool to see, right? Like, I don't know about you, but you, you ever like had a kid's birthday and afterwards you got those balloons and you go outside and you let them go 
and you kind of watch them float up in the sky. You know, if you're like me, like I'll stay there and I'll, I've got pretty good eyesight. So I'll watch them as long as I can. And we'll like have a competition to see who can see it the longest. And I'll say that I can see it long after I can't see it anymore. <laughs> but you can find yourself kind of fixated on that, right? And that's just balloons floating away. Jesus literally floated away in front of these guys. So duh, of course they're up there going, that was nuts. And so the angels come to them and they say, why are you looking? They said, and look at this, this same Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. Look at this, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back, my friends. And so today, what I want to do is I want to help you understand and, and, and see this a little bit. Now, what I'm not going to do today is this. I'm not going to tell you a specific date on when Jesus is coming back. Because that would be foolish. Because no one knows that. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 24, verse 36. He said, but about that day or hour, and he's talking about his return, no one knows. Everybody say, no one knows. No one knows. Look at this. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son. Talking about himself. Jesus says here, I don't even know. When I'm coming back, only the Father knows. So, so we don't know. Jesus doesn't know, and we're not going to know. So if people are telling you when Jesus is coming back, they wrong. Okay? Because you can't know. No one, you, people can throw out these dates, and they've done it, and they've been wrong over and over again because we don't know. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But, but we, can, we can't know the exact day, but we can understand the season and the times that we're living in. Go to Luke chapter 21. Let me show you this. The Bible says this in Luke 21. It says, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. So there's going to be things that we can see that are happening uh, in this world that are going to be out of the ordinary. On the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity. We see in that these days. Anguish, perplexity, confusion in the, between the nations. At the roaring and tossing of the sea. That speaks to tsunamis. That speaks to some of the hurricanes that we're seeing in the world. People will faint from terror. One of the major issues that we're dealing with in the world right now is worldwide terrorism, is it not? Apprehensive of what is coming on the world. For the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Today, we're seeing the, the world shaking, literally shaking with earthquakes like never before. We have, we have earthquakes in Oklahoma now. That didn't exist when I was a kid. In fact, I read this this week. This is pretty fascinating. I think you guys have this for me. 1973, look at this. 4,539 earthquakes took place. 2,000, look how it starts to ramp up. 19,131. 10 years later, 23,040. 2013, just three years later, 89,622 earthquakes. One year later, 118,404. You see, in a Short period of time going from 4,000 earthquakes a year to 118,000 earthquakes are taking place across the globe. Things are ramping up, aren't they? And, and so Jesus tells us here that these things are going to start to take place. Now, I want you to see what he says next. Verse 27. He says, at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So Jesus is saying, when you start to see these things taking place, get ready because I'm going to be coming back. When these things begin to take place, now look at this. Stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. So, so notice when, when Jesus speaks of this, he says, as you start to see this stuff, even though it can be a little scary what, what's going on in the world, we, we shouldn't be afraid. Our redemption is drawing near. We should be getting excited about this. But, but, but it isn't always that way, right? Sometimes we can be a little apprehensive about this whole idea. 
a little scared, especially when we don't understand it. I, I remember when I was a kid, uh, my dad sat me and my sister down one day, and he used to do these little Bible studies with, with us at, at home when we were kids. And he sat us down one day to teach us about Jesus coming back. And, and I, I remember it well. He well, you know, I was just a little kid, and he had us in there, and he was talking about how Jesus is going to come back. There's going to be this trumpet blast, and, and all of us are going to be called up to Jesus, and, and we're going to go to live with God in heaven, and, and we're going to be raptured. And I, and I remember him, him talking about um, this, and, and to do it, he illustrated it by using some of my action figures. And I can still see, like, my Hulk Hogan action figure being raptured into heaven. <laughs> like, I hope the Hulkster makes it, because I can... But I remember him talking about that, and I remember him talking about the tribulation that was going to take place, and there, there would be this antichrist that would come on the scene, and he was going to be the embodiment of evil. You know, there's a spirit of the antichrist that exists in the world right now, but there's going to be a person who, who the devil comes, comes on them, and, and they are the living embodiment of the, the spirit of the antichrist, and they, they bring horrible things onto this world. And my dad talking about that, and he said, you know, we believe that Jesus could come back at any time, so that, that antichrist could be alive right now. He could be someone that's getting ready to step into power. He could be someone that's just a little kid right now that years from now is going to step into power. And I remember him talking about that, and I remember thinking, what if it's me? I don't want to, what if I'm the Antichrist? I don't want to be the Antichrist. And I'm, ser- I'm serious. For three hours, I remember like walking around my neighborhood thinking, I think I'm the Antichrist. <laughs> Until finally... I know, you know I was, finally I went to my parents and I was like, guys, I think I'm the Antichrist. And they were like, no, you're not, you're not the Antichrist. So we can clear that up this morning. I am not the Antichrist, my friends. But I, I didn't really understand it. So I, you see how I could be confused by it a little bit. And I remember as I got older, I, you know, I continued to kind of be a little bit afraid of this. I'd hear about this stuff and I would just kind of think, I don't really want this to happen. Like, I got a life to live. I got things I want to do. Like, Jesus, please don't come back until I'm 16. I want to drive a car. And Jesus, after that, it's like, Jesus, please don't come back until I get married because I want to get married. And I'm a Christian boy and I want to do married things. Some of you relate to me. Rapture, no. Let's have sex. Like, that needs to happen. But, but. I'm not going to answer the question today, too, is there going to be sex in the end times? I, I believe so. I don't know. But let's just say this. When we don't understand things, it can be a little confusing. That wasn't in my notes, by the way. But, but what Jesus wants us to see here is I think we can be excited. We can be anticipating it. It's, it's something that's, that we can look forward to. So... So the question, are we living in the end times? Well, I think there's a lot of things that we can look at today that speak to our generation being a unique generation, for sure. And and when you look at Bible prophecy, I don't see much that has not been fulfilled. Uh, And I think there are things today that obviously point to the uniqueness of our generation in the end times story. In fact, I'll I'll give you just a few of them. Uh, One of the things we see today, this is in your notes, is worldwide satellite technology. This is very, uh, this, this could play a key role in the end time story because there's, if, if you want to look this up later, Revelation 11 talks about these, these two guys that are going to rise up, that are going to share the gospel. And many people, theologians believe they're going to be uh, Moses and Elijah. Some people, for sure we think it's Moses, we're not quite sure who the other one is. 
But Moses and Elijah, and they're going to go around, they're going to share the gospel with people, but the, the Antichrist is going to have them killed. And it says this in Revelation 11, verse 9, it says, And for three and a half days, all people, everybody say all, all, all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their body. So the Bible says that, that they're going to be killed and everybody's going to have the ability to see them. How is that possible? Well, that, that's not possible and unless you live in this generation today where we have worldwide satellite technology where I can see something that's going on on the other side of the world live right now. That ability exists in our generation today. Another thing that we have today that's unique to our generation is worldwide financial technology. If you read in Revelation chapter 13, it talks about the Antichrist. One of the things he's going to do when the Antichrist comes on the scene is he's going to try to uh, what looks like unify the world, but really he has uh, other things in mind. And one of the things he's going to do is he's going he's to kind of create this one world currency. And the Bible talks about this. You maybe heard of it. It's called the mark of the beast, where we receive a mark on our hand or our wrist or on our forehead. And without that mark, you cannot buy or trade. And for years, people have been wondering, you know, what's this going to be? What's this going to look like? Well, today, because of chip technology, we're seeing this kind of stuff is starting to take place. In fact, I, I read this week, in, in July of last year, there was a company in Wisconsin that is working to create a chip that can be inserted into your hand that allows you to make transactions. Like, that technology exists today. So, again, there's some uniqueness to our generation. Another thing that's unique to our generation is worldwide evangelism is taking place like never before. Jesus said this in, in Matthew 24, verse 14. He said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. If you, if you have a Bible with you, you can highlight that, circle that, write that in your notes. All nations. Now look at this. And then the end will come. So Jesus says, The gospel has to get to everybody before I'm going to come back. It has to get to all nations. And what says all nations, it's not speaking to the 193 geographical boundaries that exist on the earth. It's actually speaking to a Greek word uh, that, that is the word ethnos. And ethnos means, um, it means people groups. So that speaks to 17,000 people groups that exist on this world. Ethnos, ethnicities, people groups that exist. There's 17,000 of those. Of those 17,000, 10,000 of those currently have the gospel available to them. They have Bibles, they have some kind of a missionary or a pastor or a preacher that's available to teach them the word, and they have some kind of a place they can go to, be it a missionary organization or a church, that they can go to and they can, uh, they can be in the word of God. There's 10,000 or there's 7,000 that do not, though, but that number is shrinking all the time. This is, this is pretty fascinating. Uh, since in 1970 on the earth, there was 1.2 billion Christians, 1.2 billion Christians, uh, today, that number has more than doubled. There's over 2.7 billion Christians uh, alive on the earth today. Now, here's what's fascinating about that. Here's what that tells us. There are more Christians on the earth today than there was in the first 1,970 years combined. That's what happened. When you start getting into the billions like that, that's what the kind of stuff that happens. So the gospel, I don't care what the media is telling you, the gospel is growing. In fact, of the 193 geographical boundary nations that exist, the gospel is growing in all but 20. And by the way, America is on that list of 20 where it's not growing, which is why we make such a big deal out of planting churches. If you know anything about New Song Church, you know we're part of a, 
organization called The Ark. And part of your tithing and your giving that you do when you give to New Song Church, you're helping us to plant churches across America. Through The Ark, we planted 120 churches last year. You were a part of that if you give here at New Song Church. And we're on, we're on pace to plant around 200 this year through The Ark. So, so the gospel is growing and, and, and what I want you to see here is there's a lot of things that are taking place right now that, that make it very unique that we could be the generation that sees the return of Jesus. So, so you say, Pastor Josh, why are you telling me all this? Well, you asked for it, so, you know. <laughs> but, but beyond that, I want to tell you this. I want you to, well, here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand these times that we're living in because I want you to understand how to live in these times. Because what's the point of knowing all this? Well, there's a point to it. We need to know this so we know how to live if we are the end times generation. So I believe this. I believe in believing, if we're believing that Jesus could come back at any time, I believe it, it, it causes us to live uh, a certain way. And I want to give you three points to how we should be living. Number one is Jesus' return should comfort us. Jesus' return comforts us. Uh, to know Jesus is coming back can bring us comfort. Because you know what? We live in a messed up world. You know, 41,000 people are going to die today of starvation in this world. 41,000 people. One of eight people in the world will go to bed hungry today. One of eight. There are people across this planet that are caught up in modern-day slavery in the sex trafficking industry. They're trapped in that. You know, sometimes I don't think we, we get that because, let's be honest, can we be real this morning? We live in America and we kind of have the best of this world. So we don't really see some of this, know some of this, or feel some of this like some people are feeling. Now, I say that, and I don't want to downgrade what you may be feeling today, because I understand there are people in this room, and you are experiencing real pain, real hurt. Things are, you, you would look at me today, and you say, Pastor Josh, I'm not real happy with this world. I, I, I know a girl that just recently, a couple, a couple weeks ago, she got pregnant, and had her first baby, and her and her husband were getting ready to deliver this baby, and when they delivered the baby, they found out something was wrong with the baby, and they held this baby in their arms after they delivered it for 15 minutes while it passed away in their arms. There's real pain going on in the world. And you may be experiencing that today. You may be dealing with some past hurts, some present hurts, and I want you to know the return of Jesus can bring us comfort because here's what I want you to understand. Heaven awaits us. Jesus awaits us. And, and, and we someday, you know, I think one of the great miracles of our life is that not that everything's going to be perfect on this side of heaven, because it's not. The Bible's clear about that. But that we get to step outside of this into perfection with Jesus. We get to be united with our families and with our loved ones. You know, I'm going to go to heaven someday. And I have two sons I'm going to meet in heaven. I've never, I've never met them before. I'm going to get to know them. And you have loved ones, I'm sure, that you've lost that you can't wait to see. We're going to be united with them. That, that brings comfort to us to know that God's going to pull us out of this mess, that there's something greater that awaits us on the other side. That's, that's good news for us. But it's not just good news for our current tribulation we may be feeling. I want you to know, I believe it's good news for us for the future tribulation that is coming as well. In fact, look at this with me. This is, this is 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15. If you want to study more about... The return of Jesus, Thessalonians, Revelation, you can read a lot about it in there. And by the way, I don't have a clock, so I have no idea how much time I have. And that could be dangerous with this. So if you guys would help me out with that. 
Okay, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15, he says, According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, so there's going to be people that are here when the return of Jesus takes place, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So that's, that's speaking to people who have died before us. I think it's interesting. It doesn't even say they died. It says they've fallen asleep. It's saying that they're going to be caught up to the Lord before we are. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven. So again, he's coming back with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead of Christ will rise. That's our loved ones. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up. Now that word caught up there is the Greek word harpazo. And that, that word harpazo means to snatch up. It, it even means like to be, to be grabbed like, like a thief would grab you. So it's a sudden kind of grabbing. Now, I want you to know what I believe. I believe that before all this tribulation stuff takes place, that, that Jesus is going to come and he's going to receive his church. And I believe that because I believe that God has not called the just to suffer the wrath of the unjust. And let me, let me just show you a few verses on this, okay? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 9, speaking to the end time, says this. It says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. So now I want you to notice it says there that God did not appoint us to wrath. 1 Thessalonians 1, again, speaking to the end times. Says this, and to wait for his son from heaven, who raised from the dead Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. I believe that that coming wrath is speaking to the tribulation that's going to come on the world. Revelation 3, verse 10, since you, speaking to the church of Philadelphia, which is a picture of how we should be as believers, as the church, speaking to us, have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial. I believe that hour of trial it's speaking to is the coming tribulation that's going to come on this world. This is Going, that is going to come on this whole world to test the inhabitants of all the earth. These are just a few verses that speak to this idea of, of Jesus rescuing us and keeping us from the trials and the tribulations of this world. I see scripture. I see a God who protects his people. I see a God who, when he flooded the whole earth because it was full of sin, protected the righteous Noah and his family. I see a God who, when he brought trials onto uh, the Egyptian people, when he protected his Jewish people from those trials and those tribulations. That's the nature of God. I want you to know, you may not agree with me on that. We'll, we'll see, I guess is what we can say. And we can still be in fellowship together whether you believe one way or another. In fact, here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. I believe we prepare ourselves like we could face the tribulation and we just praise God and believe that we're not going to. Amen? Amen. That's, that's how I'm going to face it. And so, so I believe that Jesus wants to rescue us. Now look at what he goes on to say here. First uh, Thessalonians 4, go, go, he goes on to say, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet our Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Then look at this. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. When, when the Bible often speaks of these things that are going to come and these trials and problems, it, it says, hey, lift your head up, be encouraged. I'd have a hard time doing that if I believed that I'm going to have to face some of the stuff that's going to be going on in the tribulation. It's one of the reasons why I believe that God wants to rescue us from that, keep us from that. So I, I think we can look at this, and one of the things we should see in the return of Jesus is it should comfort us. It should make us feel like, there's something waiting for you. Listen, heaven waits us. This world, as great as America may be, listen, it, it's nothing compared to what we're going to experience in heaven. And we can be comforted knowing that whatever you're dealing with, if you've made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, heaven awaits you. Here's the second thing that we can see. 
Jesus' return prepares us. It should prepare us. We should be prepared. That's why the Bible has so much to say about this. Not so we know the exact time and date, but so that we can be prepared to live in the season that we're living in. The Bible says a ton about this. Look at, look at this with me, guys. There's over, put that up there, guys, over 300 references to the New Testament that talk about the return of Jesus. Of the 260 chapters in the New Testament, 216 talk about the end times and the return of Christ. 23 out of the 27 books of the New Testament talk about the end times and the return of Christ. There's a lot to say about this in the New Testament. Why? Because God doesn't want us to be afraid and, and trembling in terror. He wants us to be emboldened to live out our purpose during the middle of this stuff as we prepare for it. God wants us prepared. Now, go to, if you got your Bible, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We were just in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Go to chapter 5 now. Let me show you some more verses on this. I know I'm giving you a lot this morning because it's hard to cover this in one service, my friends. I'm doing my, my best, but I promise you I'm going to make this as simple as I can, all right? Verse 5, or I'm sorry, chapter 5, verse 1. Now, brothers and sisters, so this is talking to Christians. The Bible talks about brothers and sisters. It's talking about us as brothers because we're, if you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're brothers and, we're brothers and sisters. Yeah. Turn to the person beside you and deter, determined on what they are, say, <laughs> you're my brother or you're my sister. All right, good job. So he's talking to the church. He says, about the times and dates, we do not need to write you. So in other words, he's saying, hey, Jesus said we're not going to know, so let's not worry about that part of it. Verse 3, for you, or verse 2, for, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. In other words, it's going to be a surprise. While people, so notice it says people now. It's talking not to Christians. It's talking about people who are not believers. While people are saying peace and safety. In other words, people are saying, it's all good. That ain't happening. Christians have been talking about for that for thousands of years. It ain't happening. Why do I need to concern myself with that? Why do I need to concern myself about the things of God? They don't know what they're talking about. Peace and safety. It's all good. Everybody say, it's all good. It's not all good, people. Don't say that. (laughs) Sorry, I'm messing with you. Peace and safety. Destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, but you, brothers and sisters, they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, I love that butt right there. That's a nice butt. But you, brothers and sisters, if you made Jesus Lord of your life, that's you, are not in darkness so that you should, so that they should not surprise you like a thief. So while we may not know the exact day, we're not going to be surprised by it. We're going to be prepared for it, is what I want you to see. We got to be prepared. You need to understand. With that in mind, you need to understand how to live right now. And when the Bible talks about the return of Jesus, it, it often speaks to, or, or us in the church, and, and Jesus, it talks about us being the bride of Christ. You guys heard that before, the bride of Christ? Jesus is the groom, and we're the bride of Christ. Now, how many of you have been married before? If you're married, lift up your hands. You're married. Okay, so there's some of you in here didn't lift up your hands. You're not married yet. Let me let you in on what it's like to get prepared for a wedding ceremony, Okay. You spend months and months getting invitations together, picking out a cake, getting your wedding dress, brides, working out like never before, (laughs) right? Getting everything in order because there's a day coming when you're going to get married. And you do all this preparation for months and months for a ceremony that lasts about 15 minutes. But, but. We do all this because there, that's, a, that's an incredible day that's coming. And when the, the Bible talks about 
the groom, Jesus, is going to come for his bride. And there's a day that we're going to be wed with Jesus. And that's, that's what this is all about. And, and so here's the thing. If the groom is coming for us, the bride, here's what we need to be doing. We need to be preparing ourselves like a bride prepares for her groom on her wedding day. Here, here's what a bride isn't doing. Here's what a groom... If I would have found this out on my wedding day, I wouldn't have been real happy. Oh, by the way, uh, your bride's been kind of dating around while she's been waiting for this day. That wouldn't have made me real happy. Anybody else can agree with that one? I don't, I don't know that the groom is going to be real happy. He finds out we've been dating around, waiting on him. Not waiting on him, really. Uh, you know, a bride, when she's getting ready for her groom to come, she's, she wants to, like I said, she's working out. She's getting fit. She wants that day. She wants to be able to fit in her dress, and she wants her dress to be perfect, and she wants her hair to be perfect, her makeup to be perfect. She wants everything to be perfect. So when she's presented to her groom, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. How, how, are we going to be presented our groom? Are we going to, are, are we presenting ourselves in such a way? Are you guys following? Are we presenting ourselves in such a way that the groom's going to find us living like that? Or are we kind of rolling around in our own filth and our own mess? This should prepare us. How you live matters, church. How we live matters. We need to be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ. We need to live in a, like we're expecting God to come back. We're expecting Jesus to come back at any time. It, it should prepare us. Here, here's the third thing that I believe the return of Jesus does. It should focus us. It should focus us. First Thessalonians 5 verse 5. You are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep. When you're asleep, you're not really aware of what's going on around you, right? We don't want to be like that. Let us be awake. Let us be sober. We need to be sober. We need to be awake. We need to be aware of what's going on around us. So, okay, back to our question. Are we living in the last days? Are we living in the last days? Well, I can tell you this without any doubt in my mind. You're living in yours. And I'm living in mine. If I told you today that, that Jesus was coming back and could be coming back tomorrow, would it change the way you live? And if so, Jesus is coming back. And he could be coming back tomorrow. You following me? Whether we see Jesus, the return of Jesus in our generation or not, understand this. These are your last days. This is all you got. This life that we're going to live, this little short blip on the screen of what it is, is all that we have. And some of us are living based on this when eternity, which is beyond what we can fathom, is based on how we do this. So with that being the case, we need to get our act together. We need to understand the times that we're living in. You know, I'm 38 years old, and I got a lot of life left. And I'm planning on kicking this thing till I go to the grave or till Jesus comes back. And, and in that time, I want to do everything I can to impact this world, Amen. to reach people and to touch people and to help people. I want to help get the Bible translated into languages that needs to be translated. I want to help pull people out of sex trafficking. I want to help build churches. I want to help build campuses for this church. I want to help people understand who God's called them to be. I want to do everything I can with the time I have. I want to, I want to focus on what really matters. So, so let me give you three things that we can focus on. All right? If you have your Bible, First Peter chapter 4. 
1 Peter chapter 4. I want to show you three things that Peter talks about in the end times narrative that I think we can learn from him that speak to how we should be living right now. Number one is this. If we're living in the end times, which we all are because this is our end times, this is all we got, number one, we need to think clearly. We need to think clearly. 1 Peter 4 verse 7. The end of all things is near. Talking about the return of Jesus. Therefore, be clear-minded. Think clearly. And be self-controlled so that you can... Pray. I want you to, if you got your notes this morning, I want you to write down that word pray because here's why. That word pray is the key to you being clear minded. Because when you pray, when you focus on the things of God through prayer, you have, you, you, there is a shift that takes place in our minds that sets our minds the way they need to be set. See, we live in this American world and we get focused a lot of times on the things of this world, but there is a higher calling God has called us to. That's why when the Bible talks about prayer, it talks about how we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. The Bible says in Colossians 3 verse 2 that we're to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. We do that through prayer. We do that through coming to church. We do that through connecting with other people. When we do that, there is a, there's a shifting that takes place of setting our mind where it needs to be set. It's kind of like this. Uh, you're probably like me. I go into prayer sometimes, and when I go into prayer, I may be dealing with something. And as I go into prayer, I find myself going, man, this problem feels big, and my God feels small. This problem feels big, my God feels small. This problem feels big, my God feels small. But as I begin to focus on God, a shift takes place, and all of a sudden, my God feels big, my problems feel small. My God feels, my God is big, my problems are small. My God is big, my problems. God wants us to set our minds on heavenly things. If we're going to think clearly the way we're supposed to in this end times generation, we got to set our minds on the things of God. We have to pray. You need to be in church. You need to be praying. You need to be worshiping. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Number two is focus on relationships. First Peter four, verse eight, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Listen, People are the only thing we have the opportunity to take with us to heaven. Nothing else. You can't take your money. You can't take your stuff. Nothing. But you can take your family. And you can help usher people into eternity. People are eternal. And, and realize this. People are eternally going to live in one place or another. Either with God in heaven or separated from God in hell. That's a reality for every individual that walks this planet. So that being the case, we need to focus on people. That's why we focus on people. We focus on people in other countries. We, we focus on people who are affected by tragedies across the world. We focus on little people like those little kids that are back in those classes back there. That's why we don't babysit them. We don't just have a parking lot that you can park your kids in so mommy and daddy can go to big church. No, 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 no. Those kids back there are hearing the word of God at their level. They're being brought. We're, we, we look at that as an opportunity to implant the life-giving word of God in those kids, and we believe it will accomplish the purpose for which we send it, so we're going to send it every chance we get with them. We care about those little people because they are people. We care about teenagers here at New Song Church. Teenagers are people. You may have a teenager right now, and you're having a hard time believing that, but it's true. <laughs> teenagers are people. And so we're focusing on teenagers, and you're going to hear about more about this as we move into the fall, but we're, we're ramping up our youth ministry here, and we're going to be launching a, one, a service called One that's going to be a once-a-month youth service for all these teenagers, and we want, we want to reach this community. We want to reach in the schools. We want to impact these teenagers because they're people that matter, that have eternal souls that are lost, and no one's telling them the truth, the real truth. 
People matter. People matter. There's lost people. There's hurting people. There's people that need God. And that's why we make a big deal out of groups here at New Song Church. We want you to be connected. Because I want you to know something this morning. If this one and a half hour experience you have is your only experience at New Song Church, I want you to know you are missing out. You really are. You're missing out on what I believe really is the power of this thing. Because this is fun. I love this, man. I love coming in here and worshiping with you guys and talking about the Word of God and all the fellowship that takes place here. But man, it is way more fun to get into those groups and get connected on these serve teams and, and live life with each other and, and serve God together. It's, I, I can't promise you it's going to be puppy dogs and rainbows if you get in a group, if you start serving on a serve team. But I can promise you this. There are going to be people on your darkest days that are going to be there to help lift you up. And there are going to be people there on your happy days that are going to be there to celebrate you, celebrate that with you. So that's why we want to focus on people. People are eternal. So, so we're, doing, we're, we're thinking clearly. We do that through prayer. We do that through the, we're focusing on the things of God. We focus on people. And here's the third thing. We make a difference. If you come to New Song Church, you're going to hear us talk about making a difference a lot. It is one of the, the five pillars of this church is that we make a difference. Look at 1 Peter 4. Verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And tonight we have Next Steps class here at New Song Church. And I love Next Steps because it really is an opportunity for us to connect with you and to help you to take what makes you uniquely you and put it into this church so that you can use your unique gifts to serve and build the kingdom of God. In five weeks, New Song Church is turning three. We're celebrating three years as a church. Isn't that exciting? And when we turn three, listen, we're throwing in a third service. We're adding a third service. Because you see how full this room is? You guys ought to see second service. It is packed. And beyond that, what you don't see is those kids' classrooms are packed. And so we got to make more room for more people. Because there's more people that need Jesus, right? So, but I want you to understand something. In order to do that, we need you. We need some of you to get off the bench and get in the game. And I'm not trying to, I want you to know, sometimes I'll tell you, don't tell people you need them. I, we need you. God needs you. People who have an eternal soul that's going to live in heaven or hell need you. We need you. We need you to plug in and, and we need some of you. We need you to come to church and then during the other service, we need you to go and, and hold a baby and just love on a baby. We need you to, to get back there in Boomtown and play with kids. Listen, we're not asking you to teach the lesson. We're not. If you want to do that, cool. We'll train you and help you do that. But what we really need you to do is go in there and play Connect Four with a kid. Just play with them. Just be nice to them. Make them feel welcome. Make them feel loved. You know how you come into this place and you feel loved? We want to be the friendliest church in this city. We strive for that. We hope you feel that. And we want your, those little kids to feel that too. We need some of you to jump into our our, our usher teams, our greeter teams, we need, we need you to get plugged in. We need you because people need you, because God needs you, because Jesus is coming back. Our time is short, and we got to make a difference. we got to make a difference. So what do we do? This is the end times generation. And whether it is, whether Jesus comes back in our generation or not, this is, our, this is it for us. This is all we got. How do we live? Number one, we live, like, live for heaven. Live for heaven, not for earth. We're not focused on the things of this earth. We're focused on things higher than, the, than this earth. We're focused on things above. Number two, stand for truth. This is not a time to keep messing around, dabbling in the world. 
This is not a time to be rolling around in sin, rolling around in junk that's going to hurt you, be in the church one day and out the other to keep messing. It's time to get real. It's time to stand for truth. We need to preach the gospel. We need to get the gospel out to as many people as possible. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. That no matter who you are or what you've done, he died for you. He made a way so that you could go to heaven, so you can escape this junk on earth. We need to speak that, share that with people. And we need to prepare to meet Jesus. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? I got two questions for you this morning. Number one is this. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning in this message? Just, this is a moment for us as a church to just kind of take a moment to reflect and allow the Spirit of God to speak to us. What do you feel like God's saying to you right now? What are, what are the thoughts that are going on in your mind right now? The second question I have for you this morning is this. It's, it's a real simple question, but if, if Jesus were to come back today... Would you go or would you be here? Like, do you find yourself here today and you're kind of going, I don't, I don't know that I'm, I don't know. I don't know that I'd go. I, I don't know where I really stand with God. If that's you today, I want you to know that you can leave today knowing. And I want to help you with that. You say, Josh, how can you help me? Well, the Bible is really clear. If, if, if you want to be saved, all you need to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and that he rose from the dead and, and you confess it with your mouth and you'll be saved. You make Jesus the Lord of your life. You surrender your life over to him and choose to, to follow him. And when you do that, you make Jesus the Lord of your life. He, he comes and he erases all your sin. He washes all the past away. He makes you new. You're born again. It's as if your spirit is born completely new. It's, it's not that it just gets cleaned up. It, it gets born. It's, it's a new spirit that, he, that, that God gives you. It's a, it's a miracle. It's amazing what God does. So if that's you today and you're not sure where you stand with God and you want to leave today knowing that you are where you need to be, you want to know that if that trumpet blast was to take place, that you're going to go. If that's you today, I want to help you with that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to ask you here in a minute, I'm going to ask you to put up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to come down. This is just between you, me, and God. But I do want you to put up your hand because the Bible's clear. Jesus talks about how if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father. This is an important step of you letting me know, letting God know that you're real about it. You're for real about this. So every head's bowed, every eye closed. Here in just a minute, I'm going to count to three. Now, if that's you, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I just want you to put your hand up where I can see it. And then we're going to pray a prayer as a church together, all right? So if that's you, one two, three. Put your hand up if that's you today. You'd like to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You'd like to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're right with God. If you just lift your hand up, anyone in here? All right, church, would you stand with me this morning? So here's what we do at New Song Church. We, we have days where no one lifts up their hand. That's great. I'm glad you're all saved, but I also want to see hands in this service. Because there's people out there that they need to be in this service and they need to have their hand up. So what we're going to do is we're all going to lift our hands right now. And we're going to ask God to use us to make a difference. To invite people to come to church so that they can be people who, like our hands are lifted right now, lift their hands to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. So Lord, we say to you today that we're not okay with no hands going up today. I'm grateful everybody's here and they know Jesus. But Lord, we know there's people that need you. And so we ask that you would use us. Use our hands, use our feet, use our voices, use our smiles. Use us to, to help people to see the love of God that's for them, the love of Jesus. God, use us 
Shine a light on those people that need your love. Let us see them like we've never seen them before. Give us the words to say. Holy Spirit, lead us in how to guide people here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.